the Marvin Knows Finances Show. I am your host, Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner with Great River Investments. And joining me today and every day is my marketing guy, Kyle Rappenecker of Rappenecker Designs, the man who actually makes this podcast work and makes me sound so good. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen in. And as always, for all you listeners on iTunes and Spotify, don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you prefer to see just how handsome we are, please check out our YouTube channel, Marvin Knows Finances, and click subscribe there as well. Just like the last and every time, I have to take care of a little business before we get moving too far forward to make sure my compliance department stays happy and allows me to continue to bring you this wonderful show. Marvin Thompson is an investment advisor and representative, registered investment advisor with Brokers Financial member SIPC. Opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Great River Investments, LLC, does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with their appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. So, Kyle, today we have a special guest. <laughs> I'm excited. This is pretty cool, right? So, <laughs> joining us today is Adam Kearns. Um, Adam Kearns is a longtime friend of mine, and uh, Adam is the vice president with Hub International. Uh, today we're talking about commercial insurance, and I couldn't think of a better guy to bring in than Adam himself. So, uh, since Great River Investments is not in the market of commercial insurance, we ask Adam to come in and explain and simplify this very important topic in the financial world. And of course, as always, we always try to promote our uh, guest business. So if you would like to reach Adam for a policy review, he can be reached at 563-549-6978 or email him at adam.kerns, K-E-R-N-S, at hubinternational.com. So Adam, welcome. Yeah, thanks. You guys must have uh, went to the bottom of the barrel when you said special guest. And <laughs> no, we, we went you know. right to the top. We went right to the top right off the bat. So, Adam, let's uh, let's start out by having you give us a little background about yourself and how you got into the commercial insurance business and everything else. Perfect. Yeah, never uh, thought in my life I'd sell insurance. So I was a sophomore in college, and my aunt worked for a company out of Des Moines and said, hey, we got this great internship. Um, you should come check it out. And it was a, uh, she was in the financial realm. She did 401k sales. And I said, you know, it'd be great. I have a finance degree. Let's, let's make this happen. And so got in, invited and accepted into the internship. And then uh, shortly after that, uh, discovered the benefits realm of insurance. And then unfortunately, when I got started, they passed healthcare reform. So got a little nervous, got <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I remember that commercial license. So um, went through the, the internship for two years and, and really thought um, I was going to save the world uh, their healthcare premiums by making everyone healthy. And so I was big into wellness. And at that time, the firm was really big into wellness. Well, little did I know that that's about a tenth of a hundredth of a percent of what we actually do. Uh, but started back in 2006 and uh, worked for Hub International for the last six years and enjoyed it. So. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about who Hub International is? Yeah. So Hub is a, a firm out of Chicago. They specialize really in 401ks, uh, benefits, as well as commercial insurance. And we have about 19 other consulting arms. Uh, but they're a, a broker, consultant, agent, however you want to classify us, with about 500 different locations across the country. And I'm here in Southeast Iowa in one of our locations. Okay. Very cool. Um is this Hub International, um, uh, do they, are they a broker of sorts? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're classified as like an independent agent, so okay. truly a consultant. So if someone were to come to us and say, we have a need, we can fulfill that need, and we go to all the hundreds of different markets that we have access to for, our, for the insurance product. So you're definitely representing one of the largest firms. Yeah, we're the fourth largest in the country. Very impressive. Very good. So um, as a small business owner, I've always found commercial insurance to be something I don't really understand other than the fact that I know I need it. And um, 
you know, can you give us a little bit of an outlook on what 2021 looks like for the commercial insurance market and how, how do you simplify this for business owners when you're talking to them? Yeah, you're not alone. Unfortunately, uh, insurance is something that most attorneys try to understand and hence the try. And so it's kind of confusing at times. And so we do our best to, to try to simplify it just for the uh, single sole employer all the way up to hundreds of employees to thousands of employees. And so, you know, the question of, you know, what does 2021 look like? And, and the hardest thing is um, over the last 15 so years, the insurance for pricing wise has been really pretty competitive. Uh, you know, you could uh, pretty much bank on getting a, a decrease or a small increase over the last few years. Well, um, really right now we're, we're entering into what's called a hard market. And so what a, what a hard market is, is where the insurance company is really starting to tighten up uh, both pricing as well as coverages. And we really haven't seen one of these in since 2001. I think it was uh, right around 9-11. And so for, again, literally the 20 past years, it's been pretty streamlined. You know, insurance companies are willing to take on more risk. They're willing to uh, decrease pricing to get competitive if they need to be, if, they're, if there's competition. Uh, but this year is going to be a, a lot different year for sure. So you're saying they're changing their thought process on that? They are. And uh, really the, the hardest thing that has come along, is, and, and obviously insurance companies are out there for a profit. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and so if they're losing money, they, they need to recoup that somehow. And so really, really, I, I should probably take a step back and, and explain, you know, what, what causes a hard market. And so there's a lot of different things that can cause a hard market. The, the first really is uh, insurance companies that you, that you would see every day. You know, the travelers of the world, uh, Liberty Mutual, you know, all the commercials that you see out there on the TV they have to typically buy reinsurance okay so they're protecting themselves from those major disasters like the easiest one to pick on here in iowa is when derecho went through cedar rapids you know that was over a billion dollars in claims you know insurance companies they do have a lot of funds but they don't have those excess funds to just start paying out billions of dollars in claims at any given time and so they actually protect themselves and they buy insurance called reinsurance and there's a handful of reinsurance companies that are worldwide. And so when we see uh, a claim that occurs maybe in Japan, we may not see that that is going to impact us here in Southeast Iowa. Well, it does because those insurance companies have to buy reinsurance. And when those claims happen in those foreign countries or even here in the U.S., those claims are actually impacting those insurance companies because they're having to buy reinsurance. The reinsurance companies are raising their rates because they're being impacted by those claims and they pass it down to the insurance companies. So that seems like a big difference between um, like my personal auto and home insurance, which always seems to be based more on my driving record or my claims ability. I mean, as a business owner, um, I could be impacted by something halfway across the world and uh, not really understand the reason why my rates went up. Yeah, and in fact, your home and auto, and I don't do any personal line stuff, but I know enough to be pretty dangerous. Those claims that are hitting the reinsurance actually have an impact as well. Um, obviously, your individual claims, both on an individual side, you know, if you, you crash your car, or if you're on a commercial side where you have the property or the auto and you have claims, those are also going to impact you on an individual basis. But I'm talking as a whole for the, um, the hard market that we're entering into. Okay. So increase in natural disasters, underwriting losses. I hear a phrase about um, combined ratios. What is a combined ratio and why would that matter to me? Yeah, so a combined ratio is a combination of the insurance company's individual claims as well as their expenses. Uh, and typically an insurance company would want to be around the realm of about 
five to ninety eight percent, meaning you know they're going to get three to five percent profit. Okay. Um, and again, the insurance companies have to make profit. Is that a reasonable expectation for them to make three to five percent profit? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and I think even at times, you know, they can even have a higher combined ratio and still be profitable if the the markets are doing well. And, and Marvin, you you know about the markets way more than I do um, for investments. And obviously, they're taking those premiums and, and reinvesting those uh, to to gain some interest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, as as of lately, over the last few quarters, um, we're seeing combined ratios uh, upwards of 105, 110 percent, which means they're losing five or 10 percent, uh, and so they need to recoup those those losses. So, by the sheer fact that you're saying this is a hard market, as a business owner or some anybody out there owning commercial insurance, should you be expecting some sort of rate increase this year? And what what's a reasonable number you think that people should budget for? Yeah, so we're, we're seeing increases, and it, it's all individually based on your specific losses, what type of risk you have. But if I were to say a safe bet, um, you know, obviously we've seen increases up to 40, 50% on some, but that's pretty worst case scenario. Uh, we're seeing typically, you know, as of today, 5 to 15% increases mainly on like the property and the auto. Okay, well that gives you an idea of how honest Adam is because I don't know of any other commercial insurance guys out there right now talking about the fact that there's probably gonna be rate increases this year. Um, As a owner of a commercial insurance policy, is there anything you can do to help offset that increase? Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do, um, you know, and, and it depends on what type of industry you are. And and truly, Marvin, and I'm going to take a step back and, you know, when you said being honest, the, the biggest thing we want to do is we want to educate our clients uh, as well as maybe even a prospective client on what to expect. Because the last thing I want to do is to say, oh, things are going to be great. You know, we're, we're doing really well. And all of a sudden we deliver your renewal and you only have 15 days, you know, or a, a month to try to determine, okay, I just got a 12% increase. And if it's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, where am I going to come up with $12,000 to, to help budget for that? Um, and so we're, we're having conversations with our clients, you know, months and months, six months in advance, uh, and even further for some to explain, hey, this, this is what we're seeing for this year. Um, but to get back to the question of, you know, what can someone do? Uh, you, you know, there's there's all kinds of things. Number one is obvi- the easiest thing is l- don't have claims. You know, uh, you can. How, how do you avoid that? Uh, sometimes you can't. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just storms come through and um, those are a little bit reasonable. But when we have when we're talking work comp claims or um, some potential auto claims, you know, the, the biggest thing that we're seeing on, on the auto side is e- even commercial vehicles. You know, you're, you're seeing people texting and driving. You know, have strict policies on how you control your employees, on um, how they manage their cell phones. And I have a client that they actually have GPSs in all their vehicles. They're That's tracking. Yeah, yeah, they're tracking all of their employees. They're able to see how fast they go, where they go, um, you know, where they've been, everything related to that specific vehicle. Um, and then you can do the same if, if you own that cell phone as the the corporation. You know, you can you can put devices on there that. Um, they're not able to utilize it while the vehicle's moving. Now, if it's a personal auto, uh, personal cell phone, <laughs> you know th- you're going to have a little more restrictions there. But um, you know, have guidelines, and and we're seeing that from the insurance companies. They're they're passing those um, restrictions down for what we call loss control recommendations, saying you have to have a policy in place specific to cell phone or data use that no one can be utilizing it while the vehicle's moving. So I love that idea. Can you do that for your kids' cell phones? Uh, you, you know, I don't know. Can I do that for my cell phone? 
I'm sure there's something out there. Uh, it's literally a walking computer. So I'm sure, you know, there's opportunities to do something. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't know. So you, you can take that data that you gather from, let's say, the GPS stuff as an insurance company, and that will help determine the premiums in some cases. If you've got a couple of drivers who are on their cell phones, go too fast. I mean, can't these companies basically pinpoint every single location that their drivers are at at any given moment of the day? Yeah, so um, when it comes to the GPSs, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, the insurance companies are not the ones putting these devices in. Mm -hmm. Now, on the personal lines policy, there are. um, But this is a specific company, so it would be like ABC Company monitoring that. And uh, are you going to get a 7% discount because you have this system in? No. But are we going to be able to tell a better story to the insurance companies for this specific company and to say, hey, they're taking their safety seriously? And again, it comes down to that story that we're able to tell as a consultant um, for you know your insurance needs to be able to get you the best program that's out there. Gotcha. So you mentioned educating clients and so forth. What? Um, so obviously your current clientele understands how you work and what the process is, and you meet with them months in advance to kind of go through things and so forth. Um, a couple couple part question here. So first of all, are you limited in terms of who you can work with as a potential client? And if somebody's out there listening, thinking I should probably be talking to Adam right now and I'm not his current client, what's that process you're going to go through with them? Yeah. So the first question, you know, is there any limitations? Um, for me personally, uh, Hub has no limitations. You know, if you are a one person shop and you pay $500 in premiums, Hub, Hub can work with you. Um, or if you're uh, out there listening and you literally pay a billion dollars in premiums, Hub can work with you as well. We work with Fortune 500 companies. That's not a problem. Um, and then can you repeat the second question? Yeah, what's the process? So um, as a business owner, um, is there a time frame or what's the process? Like when you approach a new business, how do you approach that new business? And what's the expectations you kind of lay out with them in terms of, you know, if you're interested in looking at possibly working with me and Hub, what's that process we're going to go through together? Yeah, so a lot of people say, oh, well, here's my insurance packet, you know, give me a quote tomorrow. You know, it doesn't really, it, can it work like that in extreme circumstances? Yes. But the ideal world is we're having a conversation with our prospects, hopefully six months in advance. Um, and then from there, we're, we're learning what their needs are. Okay. And, and at that meeting, you know, if you haven't heard about what the market's trending and, and how we can maybe help, you know, that's where we're having that conversation. You know, I, I always tell people don't, don't kill the messenger, you know, just because I'm helping you, you know, deliver some potential bad news at that time. You know, again, it's all in hopes that you're preparing for your budget. Um, but we start that process about 120 days out um, prior to our first meeting, you know, or after our first meeting. And so we're having a conversation with them about what their specific goals, objectives are, what they're trying to accomplish with their insurance. If it's, hey, we just want the best program for the best price, you, you know, we can certainly do that. Um, I always tell people, if you just want to save money, just raise your deductibles to $100,000 and, and buy the cheapest covers. But most people typically don't want that. Um, and so we're having those conversations and we start early. Okay. And it's important to start early. And, and again, we're going to ask for a lot of information and I know that's, uh, it could be burdensome for some, uh, potential clients, uh, business owners, but the reason we're asking for all that information, again, it's to tell the best story that we can to those insurance companies, um, because we have to sell you as a business owner to those insurance companies. And again, if we can get all the data and everything up front, 
it's going to be the ideal situation, you know, because if, if I were to come to you and say, Hey, I need this, this, and this. And then three weeks later, I'd say, I need more information. And then a couple of weeks later, I say, I need, need more information. If those insurance uh, underwriters have to continually come back to us to ask for more information, they're just going to get annoyed. Okay. And if we can put the best program up front, it's going to put your company's, uh, you know, best foot forward for those underwriters. So basically be prepared. Yeah. Invest the time it takes on the front end of the process and odds are you're going to work out in your favor. Yep. And, 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 you know, we really, typically the insurance companies, they can start receiving information 90 days in advance. And that's why we start about a month prior to that. So that way we can gather all the information on our side and your side as a business owner to be able to, again, present your case to those underwriters. Gotcha. One of the things I've been hearing a lot about um, in the news lately is cyber security. Um, there was a pipeline shut down here recently that a ransomware was paid of $5 million, I believe, um, to release the to release the hacking or whatever you want to call it. Um, does commercial insurance protect cyber security issues? Yeah. So if you were just to say, give me a policy and you have what's called general liability, it, it would not cover those cyber breaches or ransomware or malware, anything of that nature. Okay. Is there a certain size of business that the hackers, for lack of a better term, a target? Like, would they ever target a one-man shop like me? Or would they ever target, a, are they only target like the Microsofts of the world or the pipelines of the world? What do they look for? Yeah, so um, I wish I had the uh, a great answer for that, but the answer is yes. They're, they're, they're just looking for any unsecured network that they can tap into. So, um, you know, obviously it's easy to say, oh, you know, the big target breach that happened a a while ago, you know, a few years ago, we're not target, we're never going to be able to, you know, we're not going to have someone come in and breach our system. Um, Or we even have people that say we have this most secure system that's out there, no one can ever hack us. Well, I would assume target probably did too as well. You know, and, and how do you how do you um, protect yourself? And so that's why we're we're really talking about um, you know cybersecurity and cyber liabilities and actually an insurance policy that can be purchased. It's a separate policy, not a writer. A separate policy. Now there are writers that can go on there, but they're very limited. You know, for example, it might have fifty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars of limits for you know breach expenses. Well, if you're a even a 25 employee population and you got breached and you have to start notifying people, your expenses are going to be pretty expensive because what happens if you have 25 other people that left you in the last five years and you don't know where they're located and you're going to have to find out where to you know go find them. And so Hub actually developed a, uh, a policy um, that's unique to Hub and we have different um, what we call endorsements, special coverages that we request uh, in order to cover those. But Really, if you have two employees or you have 200,000, uh, cyber liability is something that we will actually have you sign off if you choose not to take it because we think it's that important. Okay. Some of the information you sent me, um, it stated that 83% of businesses don't have a cyber policy in place. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think what that was mentioning is, okay, so we have a breach uh, at our company. What steps do we take next? Meaning like an internal policy uh, for your standards and procedures of what, what happens when we do have a breach or how would we handle certain situations if this were to occur. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what type of coverages are included in a typical cybersecurity policy? I mean, as a, as a business owner, what am I looking to protect? 
Yeah. So the, the biggest thing is, is obviously uh, any liability that you could be deemed for a breach. Okay. So if I worked for you, Marvin, and you got hacked and all my information got leaked and someone stole my social security and started opening up accounts, you're going to be liable as a business owner to protect me now, because as an, uh, a pull employee, it was your responsibility to protect my information. Okay. So that's a couple of things. Obviously um, you hear, like you had mentioned the extortion where a company um, like that pipeline said, Hey, in order to release your data, we need you to pay X amount of dollars. Well, that um, extortion used to be used to be $400 or send me $300 in Bitcoin. We're, we're seeing six figure numbers now for those, those requests. And so it, it would help protect some of that. Um, and, and then anywhere from, you know, loss of your data, getting it restored, um, tracking down those employees uh, or past employees if there was a breach, um, business interruption. Uh, you know, obviously, if you are hacked, you now have some reputational issues that could, could occur. So we're going to, you know, there's some coverages in there to help uh, restore some of your reputation. Um, and then another thing that we're really seeing a lot, and, and we've seen it in the past, but even more than, than I've seen, uh, is, is social engineering. Okay. And what that, what is that? Yeah. So what that is, is, um, you know, I, let's say I, uh, am a hacker and I'll use it specific for your business, Marvin. And I will send, uh, I'll hack into your system, find out that Adam Kearns is a client. And then I'm going to pretend to be Marvin. And so I'll send Adam Kearns uh, an email that says, you know, this is from Marvin Thompson. And I'll say, you know, hey, we we got your information, but, you know, I saw that you had some money that you wanted to send to me, you know, wire me this $10,000, you know, and we'll get it invested for you. Well, actually, the email didn't come from you, Marvin. It came from some person that's trying to hack you. And so that's that's that. Or or otherwise, um, vendors, you know, pretending to be a vendor that someone has always worked with and sending fake invoices. And then all of a sudden, they're cutting checks for tens or $20,000. And we've seen that. And and in fact, one of my clients said, oh, you know, we review everything. There's no way, you know, we're ever going to have someone do this. You know, we have really strict policies. And in fact, one got slipped through and it was $11,000 that they were out. Really? So did the insurance cover that then? So um, if they would have had cyber, yeah. Okay. Um, and that was a that was a client that you know we've talked about, and again they just said, hey, we're we're I think we've got the right procedures in place, and now they do actually have the coverage now because they saw the necessity of it. Yeah. So. Um, what happens if a client refuses cyber coverage? How do you guys protect yourself as an insurance company? Yeah, so as a consultant, we we have them sign off that hey, you rejected this coverage um, and sign and date it, and then we just keep it in their file. Gotcha. Um, basically, what you're saying is cybersecurity is a must. Yeah, you know, and for for what it costs for small businesses, you know, we're we're talking a thousand, maybe two thousand at most, um, and it could be even less. It just depends on what you have. But with the pandemic, the the folks out there that are trying to hack systems, it's gotten even greater, and and we're seeing increases just in the cybers alone because the the cyber policy premiums, uh, just because of the in number of tax, the amount that insurance companies are having to now pay out because we're just seeing such an increase in that. So another thing that we've been seeing a lot on the news is companies getting sued for wrongful termination or um, gender identity issues or race, you name it. I mean, there's a lot of obviously very hot topics going around right now. Um, is something like that, is there is there protection for a business out there 
that they can purchase to help deal with these types of issues when those things come up with their employee base? Yeah, it's uh, called employee benefits liability, or excuse me, employment practices liability. Employee benefits liability is a, a separate coverage. Um, but yeah, there's uh, employee benefits liability. A lot of people refer to as EPLI. Um, and it does protect against the wrongful terminations, like you said, uh, sexual harassment, harassment, uh, you know, as you alluded to, unfortunately, just it's a hot topic right now. Uh, and, and people as they're, you know, we were coming off the pandemic and, and I'll be the first to say, and I think everyone would agree, unfortunately, mental health has been compromised for a lot of people, um, which can trigger, you know, different emotions for people. Um, and some people might trigger anger, you know, and if and all of a sudden they have an outburst and they start harassing someone, you know, they, they that employer is going to be responsible, you know, potentially for the employee that's working for them that could be harassing another employee or a customer. And so then that employee benefit or employment practice liability is a is another uh, coverage that we're seeing more increase in claims. Uh, or even defending. That's, go ahead. Is there basic coverage for what you call it, EPLI? Is there basic coverage in a policy? Yeah, so if you're just buying a, a policy, a commercial package policy, this would not be included unless it's a, another rider or endorsement. Okay. But again, we recommend actually having a separate policy. Um, a couple reasons. Number one, the separate policy is gonna be specifically built to have those coverages that you need. And then also, the last thing you'd want to have is your your property and your auto and your liability. Those premiums be impacted by something like this that is a, can be you know stripped out and have it separate. Is there an amount of coverage that you would recommend businesses insure for when it comes to this topic? Yeah, I, I'd recommend at least a million. And and again, here's the thing: is you may not be liable, right? At the end of the day, if there's a suit, you you may win, but how are you going to pay for the defense? So this coverage the defense. It's not just covering the claim. Correct. Yeah, the defense is going to, we recommend the defense to be outside the limit. And what that means is, okay, so we have a million dollars of coverage. And if it costs you $2 million to defend this, that cost of defense is outside of that million dollar limit. Okay, so you would still have a million dollars to pay out if you're actually liable and losing a suit to to pay to an employee or a past employee. Gotcha. is a million dollars standard for all the size companies you work with, or is it does it go up exponentially based on the size of the company? Yeah, obviously a million dollars is a good starting point. But if you are a you know 250 employee population uh, or or client size, obviously looking at higher limits would be recommended. Um, but again, the defense is what's what's going to really erode you know at at some cost. So making sure you have defense outside that limits is is critical. Okay, is there anything else that you know we haven't covered today that's like some basic stuff that people would want to make sure that as they talk to you, um, that they're 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 paying attention to? Yeah, really. The the biggest thing is is um, you know I'm delivering a lot of bad news today. Um, and again, like I had mentioned, don't shoot the messenger, but the, the whole goal is to try to prepare people for expectations for this year. Um, and really the, if you were looking to be the best in class type of, uh, employer when it comes to insurance, the biggest thing is, is safety, right? How, how can we be a safer company? And we alluded to a little bit of things like on the auto. Um, and again, uh, we're seeing increases on the auto and the property are, are the main things. And on the property side, again, you know, if your if your buildings look dilapidated, you know it 
it could be an issue when the insurance companies were to come out and take a picture or, you know, unfortunately, you know, nowadays they don't even need to come on site. They can just go to Google Earth and see. Now, you know, the thing is, is, you know, we can always tell a different story if the Google Earth images don't look the same as what they truly are today. <laughs> and again, it comes down to telling the best story. Um, but again, nowadays with, nowadays with technology, if your buildings are not up to par, um, you know, the insurance companies are going to be less willing to take those risks on um, because we're just seeing a lot of increases in claims. The other thing to, to make a note is um, we've talked about premiums, but also understand that the insurance companies are, are with the losses that they've had are uh, less willing to take on different risks. Okay. And so if, you know, you have a unique type of scenario, you know, and maybe five years ago, you might have 10 or 12 companies looking at it. It might be two or three nowadays. Really? Yeah. So we're seeing that. And then also, um, with the increase in premiums, they're also reducing coverages. So you might see, you know, we're not going to have a $500 deductible on the auto anymore. So they're going to say, you know, we're mandating that you have a thousand or, you know, we're going to add a wind to hail deductible onto your property. So, um, you know, maybe your normal deductible is a thousand dollars, but your wind hail deductible is 5,000. So we're just seeing some different things like that too, as well. Yeah, I find your job interesting because it seems like you represent the insurance companies, obviously, and the products that you sell. But you come at it from such a unique point of view with the education on the different products, the different coverages, that you're obviously on the client side as well. And um, do you find clients um, take advantage of, the, of your knowledge with that um, education and stuff like that? Or is it always just focused on the bottom line? Every company's unique. Um, don't get me wrong. We have companies that just say, I, I don't care what it is. You know, let's focus on the bottom line. And, and that's okay. But I always tell people, you know, like I had mentioned before, if you want to save money, we can save you money. We're just going to strip all your coverages and give you a high deductible. And of course, you're going to have a really low premium. But most most likely, people don't want that. They, they truly want to have good coverage but they want it for the best price. And, and that's our that's our goal for every company, Love right? And, and we call that kind of our blocking and tackling. That's the easy stuff. You know, that's that's what companies pay me to do is to get you the best coverage for the best price. But if you really want, you know, we, we view ourselves as consultants. So I truly work for my customers. I don't, I don't care if you work with Travelers or Liberty or XYZ or uh, ABC company. The whole goal is we want to find you the best solution. And so um, typically my approach isn't, hey, give me your plan information and your plan docs and uh, you know, we'll go beat up the underwriters and get you the best price. I truly want you to view me as a strategic partner or a consultant. How can I help your business excel? So you're gonna sit down with everybody and get to know their businesses individually, get to know the nuances of it, get to know the positives and negatives. That's your process. Yeah, yeah, and, and truly there, there's times where I, I have to tell people like, hey, I don't know if we're going to be a good fit, you know, and not that it happens often. But um, if it's a company that the mutually we just feel like we're not going to be able to help you mm -hmm. or vice versa, um, I'll be the first to tell you just because I, I, I don't want to waste anyone's time. You know, that's the thing that we can never get back is time. Um, but I want to know about your organization, what your struggles are, even down to, I'll give you an example. There was a company that they were struggling to find CDL drivers. They just, and, and I think everyone's struggling to find employees right now. That seems pretty common right now. And so I said, okay, well, let's focus on that. You know, we didn't, we didn't have a conversation at that time around insurance. And I said, okay, so you have issues with trying to recruit and maintain your drivers. Okay. And, uh, this company would hire four people 
and they would only retain one. And I said, okay, well, what's that cost you for, for those drivers. And they said, oh, about four to $5,000 each time we hire someone. I said, okay, so it's costing you about $15,000 every time you get someone to stay. And I said, that, that's a lot of money that we can maybe implement some different procedures. And so we, again, we didn't talk about insurance. So what I did is I reached out to our, our network uh, hub and I said, hey, here's some of the issues. Does anyone have any recommendations? And so um, someone said, hey, you know, it sounds like they're just hiring everyone. And that may not be the best solution. And, and I think they know that, but they were desperate. Like, we just need people. You know, I can't deliver my product if I don't have people. We don't have revenue. We, we don't pay, right? And so I said, okay, why don't we start with this? And it was a, uh, the example was a cognitive thinking test, okay? So every new applicant would have to take this test. And it was $20 for the test. So it was real cheap compared to what they were spending. Um, and it asked based on four different things. Like, are you going to steal from the company? Do you use drugs? Uh, are you hostile? You know, are you honest? And it asks questions and there's only like 12 or 15 questions and it'll basically spit out the results and say, Hey, you should hire this someone or you should, or hire this person or you shouldn't. Uh, and again, the, not only did it solve the issue of, you know, potentially hiring someone that they never should have at the beginning, but the simple thing that we didn't, we overlooked was they drug screened for everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, that was $68. Well, if you actually said that you use drugs and surprisingly people actually are pretty honest when they take these tests, Pretty common um, nowadays. Yeah. And so if they say, yes, we use drugs, obviously you're not going to even take them through the drug screen, right? So it saved that $68 for the, for the drug screen. So those are the examples of what we try to accomplish above and beyond the insurance. You know, again, what are your struggles? What keeps you up at night? You know, what goals and objectives? And if we can't from the beginning meet those needs, then, then we're okay with saying, hey, you know, it sounds like you're in a good spot, you know, stay where you're at. So perfect. Perfect. Well, folks, as you can see, uh, commercial insurance is something that cannot be overlooked. It's an absolute need for businesses um, of all sizes, all industries, all whatever you can think of. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend Adam. Um, I've known this gentleman for a long time. He's a straight shooter, as you can hear from his, uh, from his interview today. And, um, and he's got the resources, most importantly, to back up uh, what you're going to need because uh, being affiliated with Hub, it's obvious that they have outlets for virtually everything. So as stated before, if you would like to reach out to Adam um, Kearns of Hub International, please give him a call at 563-549-6978 or his email at adam.kearns, K-E-R-N-S, at hubinternational.com. My heartfelt thanks goes out to all of you today for listening. As always, thanks also goes to my marketing guy, Kyle Rappenecker of Rappenecker Designs in Yarmouth, Iowa. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Uh, please reach out to me by either giving me a call at 319-576-2264 or visit my website at www.greatriverinvestments.com and go to the Contact Us section of the website. I or a member of my team will be in touch with you shortly to discuss our next steps together. Thank you again for listening to the Marvin Knows Finances Show. This has been Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner. Have a great day.